has received an honorary doctorate from Berkeley College of Music. In the presentation, Berkeley President Erica Mull said since her debut in the late 1960s, Joni has been a force for change in the industry, carving the way for women in music with an unwavering commitment to achieving the status she truly deserves, one of the greatest music artists in the world. And the track you can hear is a recent performance of her famous song, Both Sides Now. Joni performed about a month ago at Newport Folk Festival, age 78. The first full set she's performed in two decades. Congratulations to Dr. Joni Mitchell. Connor, a fan? Uh, she's quite pleasant, isn't she? To, to listen pleasant? To. That's and, like uh, tasty. Come uh, on, about well, food. Yeah, I haven't been a big <laughs> fan of Joni, Joni Mitchell, but I do I do enjoy female singers. I think there's some excellent uh, singers like Adele and those sorts of people, Florence and the Machine, those types of uh, singers. But, you know, it's nice background music, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Paula. Are you, are you on Team Joni? Oh, what an amazing concert that would have been to be at. That voice is just spectacular, isn't it? She's just mm. just the depth and the strength and the I don't have the musical language to describe it, you would Lynn, but it's she's just 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 so beautiful to hear. She's very talented, isn't she, obviously? I could listen to that for much longer, but I'm not allowed to because we have things to get to. thought we'd share some of the feedback that's come in. We talked about retirement villages earlier. Angela's been in touch to say we moved into Knightsbridge Village on the shore a few months ago and are so, in capital letters, happy and contented. We still have a full life with plenty to do, while we also have a similar life when we lived in a big house with three acres. There are 32 acres with 80% standalone villas, and our corner apartment has two balconies, so we feel open and free. We're also nearer to the great. Uh, to the young grandchildren Uh, and on insurance this is pithy insurance is really really expensive until the day you need it and then it seems really really cheap which I thought was quite lovely yeah 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 yeah. Um, and uh, we were talking before about uh, local bodies now people reluctant to stand for local body elections Another pithy one. Uh, Lots of people tried to get me to stand for local politics no chance because of one thing the media Uh, And I'll share this one with you, Paula. I've been wanting to reach out to Paula and her team to pass on my thanks and respect for their stuff and investigative writing on misinformation. While I found it uncomfortable, I needed to hear and understand what is happening in Aotearoa. I'm so sorry that you have experienced abuse in response. Paula, you have ensured that I will now be voting in my local body election. Win okay. and win. <laughs> well, that's, that's from Kim. Thank you so nice much for one, your feedback. Kim, yeah. That's so great to hear. And that, that's, that was part of the purpose of it. So I'm really pleased to hear that it's had that effect. It was about us understanding the efforts that are underway to erode our democracy. So that it has solidified your um, thinking around that is really Really wonderful to hear. Thank you. Job well done. It is 23 minutes to five. You're listening to the panel on RNZ National with Lynn Freeman and for Wallace Chapman. Freedom camping legislation has been introduced to Parliament in a bid to clarify where Freedom Campers can stay and exactly what the requirements are of a camping van. The fines for those breaking the rules are also being increased under the proposed law change. Any infringements will result in a fine up to $1,000, a big increase on the current $200 fee. Chief Executive Officer at the New Zealand Motor Caravan Association, 
Bruce Lahore has long been keeping an eye on changes mooted for Freedom Campus and the impact that might have on his members. He joins me now. Kia ora, Bruce. Kia ora. Well, let's start, because this is just through, with some of what's in the legislation. Right? What are the key points? Uh, the key points around this, as, as far as our members are concerned, are the um, definition of self-containment, that the Minister has introduced a, a bill that defines self-contained as a fixed toilet, we think that is probably the biggest step forward in addressing the concerns communities have around self-contained vehicles. And not only that, it's got to have the approval from the plumbers, gas fitters and drain layers board, right? So it has to be certificated. That's correct. And and that's a, that's a good step forward as well, because up until now, there's been no agency sitting above the likes of us and anyone else who issues self-containment to make sure we're doing it correctly and that everyone's playing off the same song sheet. So having the, the Plumbers and Guest Fitters Board is sitting above us, we've all got someone to answer to and that gives communities confidence that what is um, uh, uh, purported to be self-contained does actually meet the standard. So that's a very good step as well. This is one of the problems that the Tourism Minister is trying to address here. But just remind us, from your perspective, what are the problems that some Freedom Campers, and I think we should say that because there's yeah. a danger of saying Freedom Campers is you know, encompassing everybody. There are responsible ones there. But those who are irresponsible, what were some of the main problems um, that well, we are addressing? So it's about, actually, So the first thing is, is about the mess they make. So, so about, and we, we have to all acknowledge that it is a small group that this has just gone on for so long that, that it needs to be fixed. And we've looked at all sorts of ways in the past. This is the, the, the best solution because when you look at the issues around freedom camping, it's always been a very, very similar sort of vehicle, a, a very little vehicle where they could never, ever use the toilet. So they might have a porta potty, and they tuck it away, and they've never used it. So where where are they going toilet? And that's been the angst of communities for ages and ages. Are people irresponsibly um, defecating and, and and urinating where they shouldn't be? I've got to say though, I have I have friends who you know have a bob or two and have have bought very nice um, camper vans, and they don't want to use the toilet because they feels it makes it smelly. You know what I mean? So there's all sorts of people who, for whatever reason, struggle with the onboard toilets. Oh, well, when you when you look at the issues that have come up over the last 10 years around freedom camping, it's not about those vehicles with onboard toilets. I mean, those sort of people, they're just not going to go out to, outside and pull their pants down and have a poke. <laughs> So we know we know where the issue is. I think the whole the whole country knows is that you know we will hear all sorts of odd stories about the the unusual thing. But we know as a country, as communities, where the issue has lied for uh, lay for for a long time. And unless we address that issue, um, we'll never get there. The fees are being increased. Was that important? You're talking about uh, infringement notices. Yeah, infringement notices. Infringement. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think that's. I think that goes hand in hand. Look, at the end of the day, no one wants to go around collecting infringements. Um, but what you want is to have it at, at such a, a level that it's a deterrent rather than a collection mechanism. So you want to you want to make it so high that people just 
who are thinking on the borderline of doing this, just don't do it. You will always get someone who's going to break the rules and do it anyway, so hammer them. But it's actually the high fee works as a deterrent, and you're not actually wanting to go around and collect the fee. It's actually trying to stop them and change the behaviour right at the start. I guess it also depends on whether they pay, if they're overseas tourists, if they pay the fee before they take off. There's well, been a degree right. of that, hasn't there? It's policing it. It's one thing to have higher higher um, fines. It's how they're policed and how quickly they're you know, captivated and brought in, collected, yeah. And, that, and that's been an issue. That's been an issue in the past. And, and on that part of the legislation, I'm, I haven't, I'm not up to speed with what steps they've taken to put in place there to, to help that along. Connor, have you had any concerns about Freedom Camp? There's been a lot of conversation about them, you know, over the last few uh, years, right? Yeah, well, we're, yep. you know, clean green New Zealand and we need to keep ourselves clean and, and green and unfortunately there are... I think we aspire to being clean and green, isn't yeah, that fair to yeah. say? There's a, there's a, but there's a percentage of people, a small percentage of people who, who make a mess, a bit like um, dog owners, you know, there's a small percentage of them that don't take responsibility for, for their dogs. Um uh, you know droppings and stuff so so um this i don't uh, I don't know much about the legislation but it sounds like it's a good thing to to get the incentives right to stop people doing it i do wonder though about the you know the uh, the young people who who throw a mattress in the back of the the, the um, station wagon, the old Falcon station wagon or whatever, and and uh, go somewhere for the weekend. Uh, whether they are going to be caught by the legislation, I, I simply don't know. Well, but I hope well, not. I hope you can still have fun uh, when you're a young person without no, uh, having to carry a toilet with you. Sorry yeah. about that. There is room for them in the legislation. So the legislation will say. Uh, that will define what a certified self-contained vehicle is and it is a fixed toilet and that will be the default position. But councils will also have the ability to create freedom camping spots for those that aren't self-contained as long as they have suitable facilities alongside. Mm -hmm. So so that ability will still uh, stay there for for that type of camper. I think in a lot of the music festivals over the summer, for example, there's a heap of kids that go in, you know, all sorts of vehicles and probably sleep in them. Yeah, 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 it's just part of growing up. Paula, what do you think here? I mean, sorry, I just want to bring Paula in, um, if that's all right, Bruce. Any questions for Bruce while we have them or any observations about Freedom Campers? Have you ever thrown a mattress in the back of the car, Paula, and taken off? Not for a very, very, very long time. (laughs) But I just appreciated Bruce's distinction between, you know, the fact that it's a deterrent rather than people are going to be fined every time they, as he so eloquently put it, pull down their pants and do a poo. (laughs) I had had images of, you know, the poor council officer having to hide behind the bushes and and identify each of these people. But um, I think the idea of that deterrent being put up to $1,000 is is sensible because that's a lot of money. Who can afford to... Mm risk that um, in case there is somebody hiding behind the bushes. <laughs> Actually, there's a point that um, some of the listeners are making that uh, some van sales, and I think even rentals, had toilet never used in the yeah. in the ads, right? Mm-hmm. Have you, have you encountered yeah. that, Bruce? Yeah, yeah we, have. we have. We hear that story quite a bit. Well, that's frustrating. Is this going to change that? I mean, it's a change in attitudes, isn't it? Oh, that's right. That, that's exactly right. Look, the, the rules will be clear... And they'll be um, enforceable, and and that's all we can ask for. Now, people will either do it or don't, and they'll pay the price if they don't. Well, another suggestion, Paul, I'm interested in your thoughts on this from Ken, saying, you know, what we need is a better tourist tax and many, many, many more public toilets. Is that the answer? 
Probably, actually, I think that's a sensible idea. Uh, uh, that is, if, if that was the case, if that were the case, then there would be less of an issue regarding this freedom camping uh, situation in the first place. And there, you know, there's some amazing facilities when you're out and about in this beautiful country, but there are many places where there's pretty much nothing. So I think that's a great idea, yeah. There's another text saying, I know of people sleeping in their vehicle rather than drink driving home have been fined for freedom camping. That's unlucky, isn't it, <laughs> at the end of the day? Overall, Bruce, do you think that there are anything, anything in this legislation that might affect the membership of your organisation? Oh, generally, I think it's a, it's a good thing. So we, we haven't gone into the detail of it. So there's, it's an omnibus, so it links into to a, some of the existing legislation. So we need to look at it with, through a, with a fine-tooth comb, go through it. But in principle, most of it is, will be very acceptable to our membership because it's about credibility. You know, this is a... This is a privilege to be able to freedom camp and you know, to do it responsibly is what communities want and there's a licence between community and camper that you, you carry yourself and, and, and behave accordingly and this helps that uh, us achieve that um, for the whole country. So no, we, we will be very much behind this. It's Chief Executive Officer at the New Zealand Motor Caravan Association, Bruce Lahore. Ngamihi Nui, Bruce. It is 14 minutes to five. Well, a heavy rain watch is once again in place for parts of the Nelson-Tasman region, hampering the ongoing clean-up operation and frustrating weary residents. Honestly, the top of the south just can't catch a break, with severe flooding and slips causing chaos over the last few days. The state of emergency remains in place until next week, and there are hopes, though, that the predicted rain won't mean it has to be pushed out any further. The Mayor of Nelson, Rachel Reese, is with us now. Kia ora, Rachel. You've had a huge day of meetings, I believe. Hi, Kirillin. Yes, um, all the normal business of council has to continue on top of an emergency, but that's okay. My my um, problems are nothing like the people that are out of their homes at the moment. Well, what, what came up for discussion with the council today? Uh, I'm sure you've assessed what's happened so far, but the state of emergency is still there. So what are the, what are the thoughts of the council? Are you, are, have you got enough staff to do what needs to be done? We've been really well supported by... Uh, people from throughout the motu we've got many people from other councils in here supporting us at the moment a lot of work going on our staff um neighboring neighboring councils all of our emergency services volunteers just doing double time and um look we wouldn't be getting through this without that amazing teamwork it's it's just so impressive but the big task for us at the moment you know and our mission is getting people home and unfortunately you know, my numbers today, I was just looking at my update from an hour ago, we have 122 properties with red placards and 98 properties with yellow placards. Now, those numbers will change as the properties start to get assessed, but that's a lot of people who can't go home and sleep in their house tonight. How are they being accommodated? I mean, things must be tight. Things are, things are really tight, and we, we're certainly working with our accommodation providers to try and you know, make as much space as we can. We've got a lot of people staying with family and friends. I've had wonderful people making contact with me today saying, look, I've got a self-contained, you know, unit, you know, uh, you know, attached to our house. I'm offering that up for anyone that needs it. But look, it, is, it isn't easy, and that's a, you know, a big project for us, especially as we start to think about the time it's going to take to do repairs on properties. Um, you know, it's a big, big, big job for our building team and for the, for the building industry in our region. I'm sure your heart sank when you saw the words heavy rain watch. Now, not for Nelson, I understand, um, for a specific area, area west of Motueka, but more rain is the last thing you need. Are you concerned about it? Any precautions being taken? 
Oh, look, look, all the precautions are in the sense that our geotechs are keeping a close watch on the slips, and that's one of the reasons that we don't have people in their homes at the moment. Um, we, we, are, we are concerned about that rain. You know, even a little bit more moisture in the ground could just activate one of those slips. But what we are doing, and it's really important that we do do this, is we're getting to as many people as we can so that they can have you know, assisted, what we're calling assisted re-entry into their home. For some of our residents, they had to flee in the middle of the night. They literally just had to walk out of their homes. They're, you know, I, I've sat with people, they're just in tears. They're, they're terrified that their home will slip. And they're, you know, the things they care about the most, their photos, um, their photo albums, their treasures, their tonga. And we want to see if we can um, get as many people in you know, safely. They have to be supported by a geotech and, and the building team to, to get into their property just, just to gather those really important special things. Um, Paula, I mean, your reaction to the coverage has been heartbreaking, hasn't it? We've just been watching it, not living through it. But have you got any mm. questions for Rachel while we have her? Not especially a question, but just kind of sending um, support from all the way up here for what you and the people living locally are going through. It's just heartbreaking to see the extent of the um, terrifying images coming through and how difficult that must be uh, to be living through. And actually, just can I quickly take my hat off to the local journalists providing that coverage? I know we often get a, t- a hard time as journalists, but one of our jobs is to is to provide a public service when times like this hit, and they've been doing a sensationally good good job of covering this horrific event. So, yeah, support yeah. to you all. You're so right, Paula. And look, I stood up and when we did the stand-up for the media conference last week, I, I actually acknowledged all of the journalists, both local journalists and those that have come from um, throughout New Zealand to cover this event. And they have been doing an amazing job. And we need our media. I just, you, know, you guys have been fantastic. I'm, I'm just incredibly grateful because what you've helped us do is communicate you know, really important messages, but you've also captured the stories of this event. Mm, and, they have. And, we, and we need to listen and remember. I think people have been very generous sharing their stories in the midst Mm. of horrific situations. So I think there's a generosity also from those being interviewed. Connor, and we're hearing, I don't know if you've heard from farmers in the the region or you have any thoughts down there, but they're really taking a pummeling, aren't they? Uh, Yeah, look, you've got to really feel for people in these situations. And, you know, the weather be great if we could get it just right you know the rain um, at the right time so we don't have droughts and a bit more sun so we don't have uh, floods we just don't quite get that mix right and and I think the floods are, are harder to bear than than the droughts because um, droughts are easier for people in the cities because they don't have water rushing you know as opposed to floods because you don't have water going through your homes and slips and things like that um, but no, you absolutely feel for it and uh, feel for the people involved and for the farmers. Um, one of the things I think that's got better is weather forecasting so that you can uh, know that there's a weather uh, bomb coming. Oh, and, we used to see two can... terrible pictures, didn't we? I remember lambs caught in snow and animals in floods. I mean, so that is better uh, now for farmers. Yeah, right? well, if you get a bit of warning, you can take sort of a vase of action, so to speak. Um, but it still has a big impact on things like fencing and washing out tracks and uh, and going through people's homes and uh, the other people I feel the most for I, I just hate to have water through my home because it takes so long to dry out and to, for the smell to go away and, and as uh, Rachel was saying you know, for the for the photos and those things that are precious to you that, that may well have been um, damaged beyond repair I have so. those thoughts of what I would grab I have them not, not infrequently if there is a fire um, Rachel you mentioned before the red stick at houses and that number is, is growing what does it take for a house to get a red sticker and does it mean the house can't be repaired, uh, is doomed or does it simply mean it can't be lived in for the moment and there's going to have to be a heck of a lot of work to make it habitable? 
I'll, I'll do my best on this one because this is quite technical. But look, I just want to thank Connor for the acknowledgement for our rural communities. And of course, um, you, we've got calving at the moment. So animal welfare for mm. our bobby calves mm. is really critical. Yeah, exactly. so, yeah so look, just looking at, like, first thing is, yes, you're gonna, if you've got a red placard on your house, it's unsafe for you to, you to be in the house. And that could be because there's structural damage or it could be because there's, in, in many cases here, there's a land, slight, land instability issues. And so they've got to be assessed. Um, by, by both you know engineers um, teams, that means that, that you have to assess and say, can you make this safe? It's, it means that there's an, basically a, a risk of external hazard or serious building damage. So that may be able to be repaired. Um, yellow placard properties have been assessed, and they can be entered, you know, um, for a period. Some may you may even be able to stay overnight in them. They haven't got as much damage, but they still need, you know, to be uh, assessed, and they'll be needing building consent to repair work. If you've got a white placard. Um, you can go home, and for everyone that's got a white placard, I just—it's a joyful moment. I was on the cordon as people came through into Nile Street the other day, and it's—it's it's wonderful for them. But they're also just wrapping around their neighbours who got the reds and the yellows. So it's not a forever thing. Um, it, you know, it, it really will depend on whether the land can be stabilised, and that is going to be the big issue for many of our health sites. Yeah, we've seen some horrendous images where it, you know it feels impossible. But um, I know if people are able to return to their homes, and there has been water through that nightmare, as, as Connor said, you have to take really um, full-on precautions, don't you? You know, I, I was looking at some pictures about face coverings. You know, um, there could be jarry, there could be sewage, there could be nasties in there. So you just just can't go in, you know, on a, in your um, shorts and um, jandals, flip-flops, and start mm. shoveling uh, when the rain stops. You, and are you finding that people are taking care? Oh, look, look, people are, people are really aware of the risk of getting some sort of um, waterborne um, contamination, and they're, and they're doing their absolute best, but it, look, it's not easy. So the public health um, uh, team have been giving that message out, and we want to know... If you know, if people end up with upset tummies, um, you know we want to know. We want to know about that because it'll just help us target if we have got an outbreak suddenly. But yeah, it's it is really, really, really difficult. It's um, I'm watching, you know, skips filling up at the moment, masses of soil being removed from properties. And again, you know, I just take my hat, hat off to all of the contracting firms here who have not only been working on jobs for us in Wakukotahi. You know, their staff have been on the weekends and after work been helping their neighbours or, you know, friends that they know and just, just really digging deep. But it's, yeah, it's it's a big clean-up. And once it dries out, we go from mud to dust. So it doesn't mm. get any easier. Well, I hope that heavy rain warning just shoots through without doing any more damage. It's the last thing you need. Thank you so much. I know you've got a meeting to get to. That's the Mayor of Nelson, Rachel Rees. Kakite, take care. It's four minutes to five. Well, the kiwi fruit New Zealand uh, is the kiwi fruit that New Zealand is sending to export markets this year. We hear is the worst since some fruit was likened to bland potatoes twenty years ago. That's a quote from Cespre's CEO this week. But more seriously, the New Zealand brand and reputation are being damaged. It's been a terrible growing season, clearly for kiwi fruit. Um, but panelists, I'm going to throw this one. You know, first of all, you Connor, have you ever had a kiwi fruit that's tasted like a potato? Uh, no. No, uh, I think kiwi fruit's a wonderful fruit, and and it's been very good for for New Zealand because you know we're selling billions of dollars, I think four or five billion dollars worth of kiwi fruit a year, and I guess it will be a concern for them if if in the market the market perception is that it's bland or the quality's not as good as. Well, it, I think that's what they're hearing a, back. I think that's a concern now. The feedback is. 
Yeah, well, I standard. guess they just need to look at how they can change that, or how what what are the things that they're in control of that can make a difference um, to that. You know, is it is it husbandry? Is it labour? You know, maybe there's a shortage of labour. I don't know. Um, I they, suspect that's contributed to it. They need to, to have a close look at it. But the, the, the climate hasn't helped, I suspect, either. That's right, yeah. Not much you can do about that. Uh, Paula, are, are you a kiwifruit a day person? I'm an avid kiwifruit fruit consumer, and I was really p- surprised to read this story, actually, because I've encountered no issues. That the kiwifruit that I consume daily, at least daily, has been... Um, quality product, so I was really surprised to read the story. I think they're, I think they're overthinking it. <laughs> I've never got my potatoes and my kiwi fruit mixed. No, no, that would I've be never a worry. Put a potato if you did. on a, on top of ice cream. Oh, don't even think about that. Pavlova. <laughs> well, here, here we are. We've only got a couple of minutes. I'll throw it in. Gold, red, or green, Connor? Uh, gold. Oh, gold. really? Yep. See, I think that does taste like potatoes. It's so <laughs> bland. Mm. Give, mm. What, do you, what do you mean red? What's this red kiwi oh, fruit thing? Oh, there's a thing? red. red Kiwi yeah, fruit. there's a new variety that's oh, a red. Yeah. Okay, I'm very behind the times. You yeah. read ah, for I'm for me. shocked. Call yourself a journalist. <laughs> yeah, no, right. it's what a niche. It, it's a niche one. I mean, I've, I think from people I do know uh, who have tried it, I think it's more towards the subtle end than that really punchy green um, yeah. um, green kiwi fruit. I don't think you can beat it. Full of nutrients. Nothing yes. like a potato, mm. right? And here's the other question: skin on, skin off. Oh, off. Mm. Connor? Uh, skin off for me, yeah. I'd have to Poor, say. Are you a rebel? Same with the potato. Oh, actually, oh, no, skin on with skin the potato. Skin on with potato. Yeah, skin on with the potato. A little bit of a rebel then when it comes to the kiwi fruit because it actually is delicious sliced with the skin left on, even, especially the gold ones, which aren't quite so furry as the green ones. It's probably where the nutrients are too. We yeah. know this, so you have changed my ways tonight with my <laughs> nightly kiwi fruit. I'll give it a shot. And that's it from the panel. Um, it today. Lynn Freeman signing off. We'll be back same time tomorrow for Wallace Chat. But my thanks to my uh, panellists today, Paula Penfold and Connor English. Thank you so much. Uh, to all our guests, to you for listening and contributing. So much feedback. Couldn't squeeze it all in. In fact, it's been so busy this week that we haven't been able to share a lot of your feedback. So we'll dip into the mailbag tomorrow and share them with you, along with my personal power ballad selection. You might both be happy that you're not here tomorrow. Uh, checkpoint with Lisa Owen straight after the news. Matewa.